fix a little bit of Exodus chapter 7. There's something here I want to hone in on tonight. You know what our theme is, right? Our, sort of our theme is more in 24, but, but you know also we have uh, this kind of a theme verse. Right here it is, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And uh, that was a promise uh, that uh, Jesus made and made to those disciples there. I believe it, it applies to us today, obviously. If, if He has given us the Great Commission, given it to the church, and uh, if He has given us the Great Commission, I believe that, that applies. We follow Him. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. And I want to look at something tonight. Hey, if you've ever been let down... Give me a good amen. 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 You, some of you sound like you've not really been let down. That's good. That's good. It's part of life, isn't it? Letdowns are a part of life. Letdowns are a part of the Christian life, aren't they? They're a part of the Christian life. I mean, uh, sadly, there are those, those, those preachers and teachers, they, they, uh, they grace the, the internet and the TV stations and the radio stations, and they're still out there, believe it or not, that... They'll tell somebody when they get saved, all their problems will go away. Just come to Jesus and your problems will cease and your money problems will go away and you'll be wealthy and prosperous and you know, right, your, your husband will sober up, your children will be perfect, you'll get a better job, a nicer car. I mean, it goes on and on. It's amazing the things that some people get, uh, that get taught. You'll never get sick. Right, I've I've just recently have read those. They said, well, you know, uh, you know, sickness isn't you know uh, isn't a part of the Christian life. And I said, you know, I said, wow, Paul was a pretty terrible Christian, I guess. Right? I mean, come on. I mean, just it doesn't take much road walking sense to read a little bit of the Bible to find out that sickness is a part of life. And you're going to find out this pretty quickly if you've been taught this in your life. And Thankfully, I don't think anybody in here really has, but you, I know we've heard these things. But you'll find out pretty quickly that coming to Jesus doesn't make life easier. Actually, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ often makes life harder in another way, right? We're thankful. It does, doesn't it? I mean, have you noticed that if you're, the, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? That doesn't sound easier, right? It sounds like it's a little harder of a trail. Now, don't get me wrong. We know there's joy. We know that there's grace. We know there's the mercy and the grace of God and the help of God. And we know that in the midst of storms and trials, we can be at perfect peace, right? But uh, the Christian life is not a, a bed of roses, absolutely not. Why is that so? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you went from being the enemy of God to being the enemy of the one who hates you. you no, we were once the enemy of God who loves us. And now we're the enemy of the one who hates us and hates God. And I'm telling you, it doesn't make for the easiest life all of the time. And letdowns, not only do they come from people and they come into our life, but what do we do when we are the cause of our own letdowns? You ever been there? Yeah. In our text tonight, that's where Moses is. He is the cause of his own letdown in, in, in some areas here. And I think God's going to show us here in a series of the events here tonight in our chapter of what we do when letdowns, disappointments in our own selves come into our life. So if you'll notice here, Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 6, 
And the Bible says in verse 1, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do unto Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob. By the name of God Almighty, by my name Jehovah, was I not known by them. Right? There's a little more of a... Uh, personal, a deeper relationship even here between Moses and God than Abraham. And he said, I have, no, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. Whenever anybody tells you and says, oh, the, the 1947 map shows Palestine uh, on Israel. So Israel, hence, was never Israel. The land never belonged to Israel. That's false. Exodus chapter 6, <laughs> right? The, you can go before this in, in the promise uh, that the, to the land that God made to Abraham. It is Israel's land. But that's another subject. Look at verse 5. I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you. With a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Well, when we come to this place in chapter 6, the reason God is saying these things to Moses right here is because, a little bit of a backstory, is because Israel is wounded right now. Israel has been let down. Moses had told them what God had told them the first time, right? And uh, it, it's really impossible to understand for us the relief and the expectation and the joy that Israel had uh, as Moses showed up once again and said, Hey, God has sent me to deliver you. Remember what they were living like. They were in bondage. They were, in, they were making bricks. They were in slavery to, to, to Egypt. No, Joseph is long gone. It's about four, almost 400 years later. And it is not a good place where, where, where they are at. And when Moses shows up and he tells them, the Lord has sent me and he's going to deliver you because he has heard your cry and he's going to deliver you and take you out. Boy, could you imagine the, the excitement and the anticipation? Hey, can I remind you of this? 85% of the things that we imagine don't come to pass. Not only is it 85% of the things that we fear never come to pass, right? And I come up, but the things that we come up into our mind, you know, what one of the greatest destruction destroyers is of a good vacation preconceived ideas in your mind of how it's going to be. Have you ever done it? You have it all planned out. It doesn't happen. And you come, you come away from vacation bummed out. When if you hadn't even thought of those things, you might have been happy about the whole thing. Right. And, see, and listen, we all do this, right? Israel has been told, here Moses shows up, and he says, God has heard your cry. Wow, that, that's, you know, that just didn't happen. He hadn't been, he had, Moses hadn't been here for 40 years. God heard your cry, and he's going to deliver you. And uh, so he goes into Pharaoh like God says, and, and Pharaoh say, um, he tells Pharaoh what God has commanded him to say, and Pharaoh says, who's the Lord, right? I don't know the Lord, right? I don't know him, and why would I obey, obey somebody I don't know? Get back to work. 
You're, you're taking up time from work. Now you're making these people idle because they're all excited. You've got them all worked up that they're going to leave. And I said, no, it's not happening. Get out of here. Boy, you talk about a letdown. Yeah. To top it off, Pharaoh says, I'm going to make it worse on you. Now you're going to work and serve with rigor. With rigor. Again, we can't understand the, the, the weight of this and the expectation of this and then the letdown. The only thing I could uh, maybe somewhat try to link this to or liken this to is if you went to the doctor and you were told you had stage four cancer and you begin to pray and you went back to another one and said, oh, it's gone. Wow, you have no cancer. And then six months later they go, oh, it's back. And it's much worse. Boy, you talk about a letdown. Yeah, it'd be terrible. No, this is where Israel is. They're wounded, watch, and they're blaming, it's in the text here, you can read it, they're blaming Moses and Aaron for the mess. Their hopes have been absolutely crushed. You ever been there? So Moses goes to God. Yeah. You know, I love this about Moses. Over, this, this is one of the wonderful character traits of the, of the childlike faith that he has. It's why God calls him the meekest, uh, the meekest man in the earth, uh, of the uh, meekest man on the earth. Right? He went to God immediately. What do you go to when trials hit? Yeah. Do you go to Google? <laughs> do you go? Do you, do you go to the credit card? Do you go to the bank? Do you go to entertainment? Do you go to a vice? Notice this pattern in Moses' life. This comes on him. He, don't, don't think he's not let down too. He's confused as well. It's not working like he thought it was going to do as well. And then what he does is he turns to God first thing. But notice, notice when he turns to God. I shouldn't be laughing, but he, I mean, this is so human. Watch, and I love this. This is so childlike, which I love about this. And it's so honest. Look in chapter 5. Look what he says to God in verses 22 and 23. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Do you hear what he just told God? He blamed God for treating these people evil. Why is it thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Wow. Yeah. He blames God. He questions God. He tells God how Pharaoh responded opposite of what God said he would or what he thought he would. And then he indicts God. You said you, 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 you haven't even delivered them like you said you would. Anybody ever gone to God like this? Can I encourage you tonight? You can. Oh, I know that bothers us, doesn't it? Let me say it this way. We should always approach God in the honesty of our heart. Because that's where help can come. I want you to notice this about God. He didn't get on to him. Moses, I can't believe you talked to me like that. Don't you know who I am? I am God, <laughs> right? 
You don't talk to me like that. God doesn't say that. Here is what he says, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. We read this. He does say, I am God. Look at verse 2. And God speaking to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Now, he wasn't just sitting there telling him who he was, who he's talking to. He was reassuring him. I am the Lord. I have it all in, under control, Moses. I know what I'm doing. I have a plan. I am going to perform my plan. And I'm going to do it in such a way that nobody is going to walk away from this event and not know that it was me who did it. See, he has a plan when he does things. Look at verse 1 again. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. I love that. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a way he's going to do this. And so Moses goes back to Israel and he tells the people what God has told them. But in verse 9 of our text, Israel is not going to have anything to do with it. They're not going to listen to him. They have been so wounded and so let down and so discouraged. In verse 9 he says, And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses, watch, for anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Their life is worse off after Moses showed up. I'm telling you, friend, there are times when you obey God and you stand back and look and go, I think things are worse off than they were. Can I encourage you not to stay there too long? Remember verse 2, I am the Lord. God is in full control of what's going on in our life. And he has a plan for it. But, but Israel is upset about it. They're down. They're in anguish of spirit. They're in cruel bondage. They were let down so far and so hard. And their workload was so incredibly overwhelming. I don't think they just couldn't process what Moses was saying. They didn't want to listen to him. It was like, get out of here, please. It's bad. You've made things worse enough. Leave. And so in verse 10 and 11, obviously the Lord hears this. God speaks to Moses again. Verse 10, the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses is going to protest here. Notice this. Verse 12. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? Now notice this, Israel, this, when, when in verse 9, And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Moses has, has been, now been rejected by them because of what he brought on them, right? And so really verses 10 and 11 is for Moses. God is coming and encouraging Moses. But verse 12, Moses has his own opposition now. And you notice what he says here? How shall Pharaoh hear me who am of uncircumcised lips? Would you turn at the end of chapter 6, look at verse 30, because he's going to say it again. Look at verse 30. And Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am, of, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? So two times God tells Moses 
to go to Pharaoh. And two times Moses tells God, watch, that's what he's saying, I don't have the qualification. There's not enough in me to convince Pharaoh. I don't have what it takes to do the job you've given me. Okay. You see, at this point, Moses is still depending on his own ability. Can I tell you something? When we are depending upon our own ability to serve God, we will always look at our inability as a culprit for the failure. Let me say that again. When we, when we, when we are depending on our own ability to serve God, we will always look at our inability as the culprit for failure. And as we're going to see in the text here, it's not. It's not. Because, listen, thank the Lord, it's not our ability, right, that God our, our ability that God needs in the, in the work that He's called us to. You've heard it said many times, it's not our ability, it's our availability. It's our emptiness of self that God uses. And so in chapter 7, verse 1 and 1 through 6, God is going to answer Moses. And look what he says. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I'll harden Pharaoh's heart, and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, uh, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded, so did they. And you see here, God says, uh, he said, Moses, I've, I have made you a God unto Pharaoh. What is that? Authority. I have given you authority over Pharaoh. He said, I'm going to give you the words to say. Remember when God called Moses back in the desert and, and he says, I can't. He brought up the same thing. He's still looking at his own abilities uh, to get this job done. And even back in the desert, God told him, uh, fine, I'll, get you, I'll give you Aaron and he'll be your spokesman. And here God is still, or Moses is still doing it. But God tells him, <clears throat> Don't worry, I've, I've given you the authority. Go stand right in front of them. I have given you the words to say. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to multiply my signs. I'm going to multiply my wonders. And in verse 4 he says, he's not going to listen to you. Pretty clear, isn't it? He said, I've given you authority. Hey, you know we have authority tonight, don't we? Matthew 16, 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's authority. That's the authority we have to preach the gospel. What's that mean? We have the authority of Jesus Christ to come face to face with anybody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only did he have the authority, but God said, I'll give you the words to say. We have authority and we have the word to say. We've got it right here. Now, hold on a minute. If we're going to be like Moses tonight, <coughs> we're going to look at our own ability and it may let us down. 
right? It may let us down. Our own inability might let us down when we get ready to stand before that person with the word of God. When we get ready to stand before him and say something and we listen that their, their response, their rejection, the way they respond to us may cause us to go, oh, well, it's because of this and it's because of that and it's because of this and I just can't do this. That's what Moses did. And God said, no, I've given you authority. I've given you the words to say. The reason he has responded the way he has is because I hardened his heart. Why did God harden his heart? Well, he had already, Pharaoh had already hardened his own heart. You can go back and read that over and again. And he says, I'm going to multiply my signs, my wonders. He's not going to listen to you. Why? Because I'm going to lay my hand on him. I'm going to lay my hand upon Egypt because I'm going to bring out my army and my people from Egypt. I'm going to do it, God says. And what are you going to be? You're going to be a channel only. You're going to be a conduit. You're, listen, you know what goes through conduit in, in this building here? I think there's conduit. Who knows? Don't let the city hear this. I don't know what's in here. It's built in a factory. I don't know. But you know what goes through conduit? Wires. I mean, other things go through conduit. When we think of the electrical, when we think of electrical power, you got wires, why do they put it in conduit? To, to harness that electricity so it doesn't get out and burn stuff, right? But the, it's conduit. Does anybody praise the conduit? Oh, that conduit's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what, those, those lights, they flip on so fast because they used an aluminum conduit and not a rubber conduit, plastic conduit. I tell you that. They used a good conduit. Awesome. You know where conduit usually is? Hidden. Behind a wall. Sometimes in these large, uh, these large uh, industrial buildings, they're in the concrete and the slab floor. You'll see a pipe stick up in a, in a mechanical room, and that's about it. You'll know there's power because there's outlets and switches, but that's about it. Just like, hey, it's just like John the Baptist said, are, are you him? Are you the Messiah? He said, no, I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. A voice is heard, it's not seen. God says, Moses, I'm doing what I am, so they won't see you, and they will be convinced that it's me. I mean, isn't that what we want in the first place? We don't want people to be convinced of us. We want them to be convinced of him. Right. So God will work in ways in our life put us out of the way, right? He will, he, listen, He will use us with all of our inability so that He gets glorified. So that Egypt knows that I am the Lord. That's what God's... He's still saying that today. That, that Nixa knows that I am the Lord. That Missouri knows that I am the Lord. That United States of America, that the world knows that I am the Lord. That's how he does and why he does the things he does. And so you know what God tells Moses? Enough of your insecurity. Enough of your excuse. It's not you. It's not, it, it, it's all me. You're the conduit. Listen, he says, Moses, I know you have issues. Do you not think I know that? Do you not think I know you can't really talk well? Do you not think I know that you have an impediment, a speech impediment? Or a peach impediment, however you want to say it. Yeah. That, never mind. You know what God says? Tell him anyway. Tell him anyway. 
It's not you. This is the most liberating thing there is for a child of God who's trying to serve God. Tell him anyway. It's not about you. I love it. So what they do, I like what it says here. They obeyed. And they were old. This is what we get. Look, look at this. I mean, if, if you want to... And Moses, and Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. Verse 6, so did they. And then this is thrown in here in verse 7. And Moses was fourscore years old and Aaron fourscore and three years old when they spake unto, uh, unto Pharaoh. I know we have a nice time stamp here. That's cool. But Moses is two-thirds of the way through his life. He's going to live to 120. So 80, I mean, that's, that's two-thirds of the way through. Aaron... About the same, last few years, uh, what, about a year before Moses? I forget what it is. But hey, they're, what, what is going on? They're, they're past midlife crisis, okay? They're not young kids anymore with a lot of gusto and vigor and, and energy and all of these things just to get the job done. No, they're probably a little bit tired. God says, what's that matter if you're old conduit or new conduit? When you, hey, listen, when you, have, when you have solid galvanized conduit in a wall that's 10 years old or 60 years old, it doesn't matter. It could be 100 years old. It doesn't matter. It's still doing its job. It's not rusted out. It hadn't got water in it, right? right. Why? It's just conduit. Yeah. Uh, so Moses' problem here was not that God let him down. Watch this. Moses let himself down. And he believed Pharaoh wasn't listening to him because his lack of eloquence. Right. He, maybe he thought, I just sound stupid when I talk, so obviously there's no authority in my speech for him to be any, anywhere, you know, have any concern about like like he's going to listen to me? It, 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 it's because I, I talk like this. No, some do, right? But what God is reiterating to Moses is that it's not his lack of ability. The problem in Moses' life is because he can't see what God is doing. Doesn't that get us a lot of times? We just don't really see what he's doing. I love how John Phillips described it. He said, life is like a tapestry. We live on the backside of the tapestry. It's a mess. And it makes no sense. When we get to heaven, we'll see the top of that tapestry. It'll be so beautiful. And you'll go, that's what he was doing? That's incredible. Moses, listen, Moses was looking at the situation from the backside of the tapestry. Can I tell you this tonight? We are looking at this event in, in Exodus. If, if it was its own tapestry, we're looking at the front side of it and going, this is awesome what God did and how he did it. And listen, God works the same way in every, every situation of our life. He is the Lord. He is at work. He has a purpose. His purpose is that we are a conduit for His power. And though it looks like it's a mess, and the life light might look like it's a mess, 
and it makes no sense at times, and you feel let down and discouraged even at your own self, God is weaving something beautiful together. And that we may not even see it on this side of the planet, on this side of life. It may not be until we get to heaven that we'll notice it. But He's working. He absolutely is. And Moses was depending upon his own ability. Why? Because he couldn't see what God was doing. I don't want to miss this tonight. What Moses thought was, uh, what Moses thought the problem was because what Moses thought was because of his shortcomings, because of his problem. It wasn't that at all. You see, Moses thought, well, it's the shortcomings, and no, it's because, as I said before, it was so. God would get the glory, watch, and the people, Israel, would trust God. Do you know that's, that's one of the hard tasks I have as a pastor, is to get you to trust God, not me. If you follow me, man, you'll be in trouble. And we know what it's like to be let down by other people. But what about being let down by yourself? Your own inabilities, your own, your own mistakes, your own past sins. Right? Everybody's been there. And if we get focused on our own abilities or lack thereof, we'll begin to think that we're the problem. And if we were just better qualified, people would believe us. Well, if I just had the credentials, if I just had this, if I just had that. Right? I remember I'd listen, I, I had his books when I was in sales. I, if anybody's uh, a, a professional sales of any type, one of the great gurus of sales uh, is Zig Ziglar. And man, he was, I had his books, I just had everything. I had his tapes, there were tapes, I had his tapes. I'd listen, I'd just... For motivation, I just put him in on the way to a sales meeting and listened to him. And I remember saying, and he sounded like an old preacher. He's from Mississippi. He got saved at 40 years old. Uh, went to, I think it was Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas. He's long passed away. But he had the, his, his Sunday school class was the first Sunday school class ever aired on the radio in, uh, in Texas. And, uh, but he got saved late in life. And he had a voice. He was just an old preacher voice, man. And he said, you can find your way to the top, you know. And I thought, man, if I just had that voice, I could sell anything, you know. I just believed it was, it was incredible, right. And, uh, but we'll do that, don't we? Well, if I just had that Bible knowledge, if I just had this, right. If I, if I, if I just wasn't so shy, if, if my friends didn't know my whole past, I could probably do a better job telling them about Jesus. If I could just memorize the Bible like other do, others do, I could just, maybe I'd just go on visitation more. I mean, I mean listen, we, we come up with all of these things when it comes to doing the will of God, right? We come up with all of these things, and the only thing, watch, the only thing that is actually keeping us from doing the will of God is disobedience, not our lack of talent and ability. Because we're just conduit. You say, well, I don't always know what to say. 
Did he not promise to make you fishers of men? Right? Just show, listen, just show up like a piece of conduit. Say, Lord, you're going you're gonna to I don't want to say. I know there's many in this room that have left conversations with people in the, of the, with the gospel. And you've walked away from that situation and go, I don't know how that came out of my mouth. I don't know where that came from. You know what it was? Wasn't you? You are just a piece of conduit. And words came out. And you think, I wish I could remember what I said. I'd write that down. <laughs> he won't let you do that either. We all deal with it, don't we? You can deal with it. I can deal with it. Right? Some pastors, they just have this great large presence, and it just seems like, yeah, I mean, if I just had a, this presence, you know, people would follow. If, if you just had some big, resonant preacher voice, oh, that, that's what people like. It, it would follow that real, real well. And, you know, there's some out there, they're just great, I mean, just masterful expository preachers. Oh, if I could just be like that. And there are those out there that can move crowds with words. I mean, uh, I, I've seen him, I, a lawyer I know. And I mean, just, just, I mean, he just has a crowd like this. I've been in, and to hear him and uh, literally thousands in the audience and it's just like a drop of a pin in the play. You can hear a pin drop and just the words just, oh, if I just, if you just had that, if if we just had some great education, if we just had some great lineage, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Can I tell you, I don't have any of those things, and probably neither does most of us in this room. Yeah. But you know what? God's telling us tonight the very same thing He told Moses. Yeah, yeah I know you don't have everything you need, but tell them anyway. <laughs> tell them anyway. Trust Him. Just do what I told you to do. You tell them what, you tell them what I said right here. You tell them what I said, and I'll do the rest of the work. And when the fruit comes, all they can say is, God did this. You know the testimony of Spurgeon's salvation, right? That snowy night that he wandered into this little congregation of, I don't know, maybe no, no, bigger, no bigger than this with a... I, I don't, I'm trying to remember if the preacher was filling in, but all I remember, he didn't do a very good job. So Spurgeon said he was not this eloquent preacher, but the gospel was preached and the Spirit of God penetrated his heart with the gospel and he gave his heart to Jesus. It didn't have to be that great, right? No, I'm not advocating just willful, willful, willful ignorance and stupidity. We don't, we don't do that. But I'm just saying, our own insecurities can keep us and keep us from doing what God has told us to do. So let me ask you tonight. You got any hang-ups about your usefulness to God? Well, it's this. Well, it's that. I mean, come on. Every, right, right now, probably everybody can fill something in that blank of your own personal life and say, yeah, I just, uh, that's, just it's, that's just not me. That's just not me. I, I'm just not like that. Whatever it is, you, you've got something. I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not young enough. I was trying to be real nice and just saying you're too old. Not young enough. (laughs) 
Would you do this tonight? Maybe you could just get alone with God tonight and let Him know that you know that it's His work and that you will allow Him to use you with all of your deficiencies. And you'll trust Him with it. Because at the end of it all, it can't be said enough. It's not about you and me. It's about Him. It's about Him. We just need to be the conduit. We just need to be a conduit. And watch. And go tell Him anyway. <laughs> just go tell Him. Our Father, thank You tonight for the encouragement, for the strength of Your Word. I'm thankful, the Lord, that you know everything about us before you saved us, before you called us, before you gave us a work to do. You knew everything about us. And I'm thankful tonight that with all of our insecurities, with all of our uh, inabilities, the times that we let ourselves down, Lord, that we're reminded tonight that it's your work. And the miracle of it all is that with all of our inabilities, if we just be the conduit we're supposed to be and tell them anyway, there'll be fruit and people will get saved and come to Christ. And so we thank you for that tonight. We just pray that we'd that you would encourage us in that tonight and decisions would be made tonight that People would just be a conduit for you to work through. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Piano's going to play. And however the Lord has spoken to you, will you allow God to use you with all of your inabilities, with all of your insecurities, with all of your own letdowns in your own personal life? Just tell the Lord, I'll, I'll be the conduit. I know, I know there's not much here.
Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Saturday morning, I don't dare say what the weather looks like for men's prayer and visitation, but it may be different. Who knows? <laughs> what a beautiful day today, huh? I'm thankful for that. I think it's supposed to come.